Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Your eyes, friends, we are living in the last days. We're living in the last days, and that's part of why we are beginning a new sermon series here. Just really felt led of the Lord to, uh, to dive into the book of Daniel, to dive into the book of Daniel. And, uh, and, and, and so we're calling this message series Unshakable uh, when conviction and culture collide. How many of you know there's been a lot of where our, our, our values as believers, biblical values, have run head-on in conflict with our culture? Our culture doesn't share the same values that the Bible encourages those who are followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus, to hold on to. So what do you do when your values collide with culture? And I can, I can see of no better place than the book of Daniel. Because in the book of Daniel, that's what we find. We find, uh, 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 we find this with those who were taken into captivity. And we're going to see this. Daniel and, and, and we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and others. We find that as they were taken captive, they were in a culture that did not match their values at all. So how do you, how do you respond? How do you react when that happens? You see, uh, oftentimes over the last decade, we've seen a sliding away of an erosion of biblical values here within our culture. Within the United States of America, there has been a slide over the last several decades away from biblical values. Thousands and thousands of years ago, though, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about this very thing. In fact, he warned that Israel was headed for a collapse if they did not begin to reverse course. That their values that they had moved away from were going to impact the very health of their culture and of their nation. Isaiah 520, this is what Isaiah said. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, I think that's a reflection of today, but this was happening nearly 2,600 years ago uh, in the nation of Israel, about 400 years after David reigned as king, and about 600 years before Christ came, this very collide and this very slipping away was happening with the nation of Israel, and Isaiah and other prophets were warning them that if they did not get things right, they were, judgment was going to come and their freedom was going to be taken away. They were warned about that. This was prophesied about. Prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Zephaniah were warning the people, if you do not repent, if you do not turn back to the ways of the Lord, judgment is coming and you will lose your freedom. That was being warned about. 
fact, another guy who was not a prophet, he was a, a psalmist, a songwriter by the name of Asaph. David wasn't the only one to write psalms. Moses did as well. But Asaph was another psalm writer. And in one of his psalms, Psalm 82, starting in verse 1, he warned on God's behalf about things that were going on and saying, listen, you've got to turn things around. This is what he said. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust uh, and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. I'll uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. And then he says this, they walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. Are shaken. Friends, our foundation has been shaken to the core. The foundation that we have, the foundation even of our nation, the foundations have been shaken to the core. Our economy has been shaken to the core. The foundations of our government in America that have been held up for hundreds and hundreds of years are being shaken to the core. Families are being shaken to the core. Education is being shaken to the core. The foundations of the moral and ethical values are being shaken to the core. There is a great shaking going on in our world. We're living in a time of, of extreme upheavalness and, and shaking. So how do we hold firm to the convictions that the Bible says that those who are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ ought to hold to, ought to hold firm when they come and they collide with our culture? And so to help us with this, we're going to look into the book of Daniel. So let's jump in. Daniel chapter 1. We're going to begin right in the beginning. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim... King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God and Babylonia and put them in the treasure house of his God. Now what's happening here is Daniel was just a boy. In the midst of a society that he lived in that was being shaken, Daniel was just a boy. In fact, he was about 15 years old, a teenager. I have a daughter that's 15. 15 years old. And he lived around the city of Jerusalem at the time in which it was being besieged by the foreign nation Babylon, a powerful ungodly king, a pagan king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar who did not fear God but, but was very powerful, had come in about 600 BC and he came in and he took over the entire nation of Israel and he attacked Jerusalem and he totally destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem, destroying its walls and destroying the temple that Solomon had built. The temple was a representation of, of worship. It was a representation of the house of the God of Israel. And when he came in, he took prisoners of war, about 25% of the nation back to them, to what is now Babylon or modern day today, modern day Iraq. And he kept them there for about 70 years. It was a disaster. And, and, it was, and, and the people there lost their freedom because they were not paying attention to what God had told them to do. They didn't listen to the prophets. They didn't listen to the warnings. They didn't pay attention to all of that. They ignored those things thinking somehow in the end God would come in and rescue even though they were acting and living disobediently to his word. 
They hadn't heeded anything that he had said. They hadn't repented. They hadn't turned of their ways. They thought they could continue to live however they wanted to and ignore those warnings and not live in obedience and that God would suddenly come in and rescue them. And when that didn't happen, they turned to another nation, Egypt, at one point in hopes that Egypt would be able to rescue. They turned to other things rather than turning back to God. And as a result of that, they were carried away and lost their freedom, and the collapse of their culture shook everybody. Daniel would never see his parents again. He'd never see his family again. He'd never see the homeland of Israel again. He would spend the rest of his life in a foreign and hostile culture taken captive. But something more happens. Not just simply was he taken captive, not just simply was 25% of the people taken captive, but look at what happens. And I think this is the very thing that many of us fear is happening in our culture today. Take a look and see if you don't see some parallels here. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. That all sounds good, right? But look what he does next. He was to teach in the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained three years, and after that, they were entered into the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, and Mishael, Meshach, and to, or Hanan, or excuse me, to Hananiah, uh, uh, the name, uh, excuse me, Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. That's what happens when you read too fast. <laughs> Those names are a mouthful anyway, aren't they? <laughs> What's happening? Well, there's a selection process going on. You have to understand that the values that were going on in Babylon are the same values that have been going on for years and years and years. They're the same values that we have in our culture. They were looking people who had brains, who had brawn, and, uh, and who had beauty. Isn't that what we idolize today? If you've got beauty and you've got brains and you've got brawn, if you've got academics and you've got athletics and, and you have some kind of aptitude, aren't you the ones that are chosen? Isn't that what our culture values? They were chosen because of what their culture valued. It's not new. Nebuchadnezzar wants the best of the best and he's going to grab these teenagers and he's going to begin a three-year process of indoctrinating them in the highest of the Babylonian education. He's about to try to transform them so that they forget about their Israel history. They forget about what they had grown up knowing and they begin to take on and understand this is how we do things in Babylon. Here is our history. Here's what we do. I'm going to give you a new name and a new identity. I'm going to teach you how to eat the way that we eat. We're going to get into that next week and talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to teach you everything Babylon because you're going to learn our ways. Anybody afraid of that today? Your old life is over. You're Babylonian now. Understand what Babylon represents. Babylon throughout scripture represents a world system that is hostile to God and hostile to the people of God. Babylon in the Bible without 
without exception, was a symbol of evil and anti-God paganism. And it started in the book of Genesis chapter 11 uh, when, when it was the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And it doesn't end until Revelation chapter 17 and 18 when this entire world system is finally destroyed at the second coming of Christ. Read it. Pick up your Bible. It's in there. And if you're Daniel and you're a 15-year-old kid, would you say that your life at this point has been shaken up? You've been shaken up, right? No doubt about it. 15 years old, but yet Daniel, this 15-year-old kid, as you do a survey of the book of Daniel, if you've read through the book of Daniel, you know that Daniel, this 15-year-old kid, grows into a powerful man of God. He goes into a powerful man of God and one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He holds on to his integrity in the midst of all of this indoctrination and all of this shaking. He hangs on to his faith in a hostile culture. And what happens is unbelievable. By doing that, somehow God's favor is upon him and he gets promoted over and over and over and over again. In fact, he lasts through two different administrations. Three different administrations, but two different cultures. He ends up being taken by the Babylonian culture. And there's a Babylonian king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel holds on to his faith and gets promoted. Ends up leading Nebuchadnezzar to where Nebuchadnezzar puts his faith in God. Following Nebuchadnezzar is, is a, another leader, and, and, and Daniel continues to hold on and even has an influence, yet there is judgment that comes. So he doesn't, this, this secondary person doesn't put his faith in Christ. But then the Persian Empire comes in, and the Persian Empire takes over the Babylonian Empire, and Daniel survives that. And there is a king by the name of Cyrus the Great who comes in and kills everybody else, but somehow keeps Daniel along. And Daniel leads him to faith in Christ. And at 85 years of age, Daniel's in retirement, and, and this king calls him out of retirement and says, hey, buddy, I need you. I need you. And once again, he is used it, it, during that time. How does that happen? How does that happen? It's a huge story. But what we learn from this is that when our world is shaken, when our world is shaken, there are some things that we can see. There are some things that we can do. There are ways that we can live. And that's what we're going to look at over the next couple of, the next several weeks here. We're going to, we're going to dive into the book of Daniel. And, and we're going to talk about how do we hang on to our convictions, live according to our convictions in a world that collides, our culture, where our convictions collide with our culture. So today, we're not going to deep dive specifically. We're going we're to do an overview of the entire uh, series, and, and we're going to answer the question today, what do I do when my world is shaken up? What do I do when my world is shaken up? How do I handle it when my world is, is shaken up? And let me just give you a, 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 a couple of, of things that you need to consider. Some things to consider. First, don't be surprised by adversity. Don't be surprised by adversity. Daniel chapter 1, I want to go back to verses 1 and 2 again. There's some things that I want to pull out of here. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them in the treasure house of his God. So again, what's being besieged? 
Jerusalem is being besieged. The temple of God is being destroyed. The articles are being carried off and placed into the treasure house of the Babylonian God. Now you have to understand, our culture, we have this thing called atheism. I want to let you know, atheism is relatively new. It, speaking wise, it's relatively new. I've got to be honest with you. For generations and years and years and years, everybody believed in some kind of God. They believed in some kind of higher power. They believed in maybe multiple gods. They had multiple gods. And, and, and that was part of how they lived. They, there was no atheism. And so when you were a culture of Babylon, your gods were a part of your military might. Your gods were stronger than the gods of your opponents. And if you destroyed by military might your opponents and you ransacked their temple of their god and carried off their gods, it was in essence saying your god has no power, our god has power. In essence, what they were saying here is your god is dead. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like your life is besieged? Oftentimes when our life is shaken up and, and things happen, they catch us by surprise and we go, whoa, how does, why did this happen? I don't understand. We can begin to question, God, where are you? God, are you really strong enough? God, are you really powerful enough? God, can you really do this? You see, when they carried off those articles and they put them in their, their house of their God, they were saying, our God is stronger than your God. And it was a shaking that was going on. From a worldly point of view, how can we trust a God who's been defeated? How can we trust a God when all the evidence seems to suggest that he is dead? And you see, oftentimes our world falls apart. In those moments when it seems as if God is not answering, when it seems as if our world is being shaken and, 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 and where is the power of our God and where is the miracles of our God? At, at those point, our world is, is rocked and we can begin to question, is God really in control? But in verse 2, there's a little phrase that I want you to see. And it says this, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, meaning Nebuchadnezzar's, hand. Who did it? The Lord did. The Lord did. What? He's, a, he's, not, he's not a believer. He's a pagan king. He's ruthless. He's evil. He's horrible. Do you know the things Nebuchadnezzar did? Do you know the things Babylon did? How? Why would you use Babylon? Why would you use Nebuchadnezzar? What is happening here? And although the collapse of this nation seemed to be a shock at the time, it shouldn't have been a shock because they were warned over and over and over again by Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Zephaniah of what was coming if they did not repent. You're going to lose your freedom. Wise up and why? Because of idolatry, because of immorality, and because of injustice. Those were the three big cries that were happening. If you read the prophets, that was the cries of what was going on. They were worshiping idols. They had turned away from God and they had put their trust in other things and they had idolized other things, idols. Secondly was immorality. They were living immorally, different than what God's standard had laid out. They had come and they had called good evil and evil good. And there was injustice that was taking place in their culture. And God said, I've had enough. If you don't repent, judgment is coming. 
Friends, the shape that America is in is because we have idolatry, we have immorality, and because we have injustice in our nation, and we need to repent. If we do not repent, destruction is coming. It's coming. You think COVID-19 was bad? COVID-19 is nothing compared to what is coming if we don't repent. And don't go pointing your fingers out there. Because it starts in here. A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Where's the power of the Holy Spirit? When we can allow COVID-19 and mass and everything else to shake us and divide us to where we don't even want to put discipleship and coming back and worshiping the Lord as a priority in our lives. COVID-19, health. Get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Those kinds of things divide us. And yet we, 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 we settle over morality issues and biblical issues that are black and white and we don't let our feathers get ruffled about that. Oh, that's not even in here. I'm telling you, Daniel, he grew up hearing this. He knew it was coming. Everybody grew up hearing these things. Don't be surprised by adversity. 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come to, uh, on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Listen, shaking things up, that's a normal part of life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. Your world will get shaken every now and then. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Until we live in heaven, we live in a broken world. And part of living in a broken world is what Jesus said to his disciples in John, 6, uh, John 16, 33. In this life, you will have trouble, tribulation. Don't believe the preachers that tell you that if you, you give your life to Christ, it's all going to be roses and God's blessing and everything else. No, there's going to be testing. There's going to be testing. There's going to be testing that goes on. Secondly, what, what does God do? What, what does God encourage us here? Uh, he, he, when, when my world is shaken up, don't, 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 you know, you got to, you got to, we live in a broken world. We experience trouble, right? We observe times of evil. We, when, when evil seems to prevail, don't give up hope, friends. Don't be surprised by the adversity. God is still on the throne. He's still in control. The Lord did this. Why? Because the Lord had a plan. So secondly, what do I do when my world is shaken up? You got to look for the good that God might use in the adversity. What's the good? Because listen, God has not left the throne, even though Babylon is coming in and they've taken over Israel, listen, God still had a plan. It did not catch him by surprise. His people had to learn for a new way to live. They had to learn how to live in exile. They had to live in a culture that was not their own. They had to learn how to live in the midst of adversity and look for the opportunities that God was providing them. Daniel and the other three are highlighted in the story. Why? Because God has a plan to use them for good. And you see that throughout the entire story. 
leading up to the time of captivity, this is what Jeremiah the prophet encouraged the people to do. He told them that it was coming. He told them that that Babylon was coming, that they were going to win, that they were going to prevail. They knew this because he warned them, but they would not listen. And this is what he encouraged them. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. And pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah 29, 7. We love Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But friends, Jeremiah 29, 11 comes after Jeremiah 29, 7. And Jeremiah 29, 7 says, in the midst of the adversity, in the midst of what's going on, here's how you ought to live. This is how you ought to live. Friends, we live in the midst of an imperfect culture that oftentimes collides with biblical values. And and, and God can turn the, the bad into good and he can work through us and use us if we will allow him to. If we look broadly through Daniel and his friends, we learn five things. I want to go through them quickly that God does when he shakes things up. Number one is this. God oftentimes shakes things up to inspect me. To inspect me. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes in our lives, something happens, a shaking happens, and what it reveals is our character. What it reveals is our motives. What it reveals is what's inside of me. How many of you know you, 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 you don't know what's inside the tea bag until it's in hot water? Right? You, you think a lot of things. Peter didn't know what was inside of him until the real temptation came. He thought, I'm never going to deny you. I won't do that until the pressure came. The pressure oftentimes brings about what's inside of us. So following captivity, you got Daniel and his friends, and they are now taken to the school of Babylon higher indoctrination. <laughs> right? We're going we're gonna to strip you of everything you know, and we're going to make you learn all this other stuff that you, you didn't want to know. We're going to make you Babylonian. And Daniel 1.8 begins with this statement, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. The key phrase there is Daniel purposed in his heart. Friends, adversity is going to come. Our culture is going to collide with our biblical values. The question is, what are you purposing in your heart? Because God knows the heart. God looks at the heart. God is worried about the heart. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to be shaken and he was not going to conform to the pressures and, and the shaking reveal what was in Daniel's heart. Jeremiah seventeen ten. but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God often allows circumstances to shake us up, to test and reveal what is in our hearts. He did that with the Israelites. They had come out of Egypt and in the wilderness, and the wilderness time was a time of testing for them. He allowed them to run out of water so that he could test what was really inside of their hearts. Did they trust him or didn't they trust him? He allowed there to be times where there was a lack in their lives so that they would trust him. He allowed at times for enemies to come and attack so it would reveal in the shaking what was in their hearts Deuteronomy 8 2 remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands so friends 
Problems and shaking are a measuring tool. They're a measuring tool. Your reactions to difficulty are a measure of your faith, a measure of your commitment, a measure of your maturity. They're a measure of your integrity. The Bible oftentimes calls the testing like refiner's fire, right? Refiner's fire. When you put gold and silver into the refiner's fire, what is it to do? To burn away the dross and the impurities. And oftentimes God will lead us in a way to test us, to burn away those impurities and to test what's in our hearts. So when you're facing a shaking up, here's the question, God, what is inside of me that you're wanting to reveal through this? What are you wanting to reveal through this shaking in me. Over this last year, we've been shaken. And I'd love to say that everything that came out of me in the midst of that shaking was good. It wasn't. I'd like to say that what I observed in those that call call themselves followers of Jesus Christ during this time revealed great, wonderful things. But it didn't. It didn't. And we can either allow this shaking to bring change and repentance into our hearts. Or we can continue to walk thinking ourselves to be more high than what we are. Secondly, God shakes things up to correct me. To correct me. That's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel 26 years ago. Exactly what happened 26,000 years ago. They'd fallen into deep idolatry. They had a reoccurring problem. Over and over and over again, the nation of Israel was falling into idolatry. But guess what happened? After this season of 70 years in Babylon, after this happened, guess what? After that, the nation of Israel never went back to idolatry again. Sometimes God shakes things up in your life because it's the only way to truly get your attention to break the addiction, to break the problem, to break the thing that you keep going back to over and over and over and over again. And it takes something like this, something drastic, something major to happen to get you to wake up because God will oftentimes shake things up in your life to bring correction to you. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 8, and then we're going to skip to the second half of verse 10 and 11. I'm going to read from, the, from the, uh, the contemporary English version. God corrects all of his children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. And then verse 10, the second half. But God corrects us for our own good. Because he wants us to be holy as he is. It's never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. Friends, God's not here to make you happy. He wants to make you holy. He wants to make you holy. In fact, Job 5.17, consider yourself fortunate if all-powerful God chooses to correct you. Consider yourself fortunate. Right? Thirdly, God shakes things up to direct me. To direct me. Listen, although Daniel, it would not have been in his life plan at 15 years of age to, to, to go and to serve in a Babylonian foreign pagan kingdom with a foreign kingdom God when his life was being besieged and shaken up, it wouldn't have been something that he chose. But the very shaking up and the very besieging was the very thing that directed Daniel's life so that he would be in the place of influence. 
he would be in the place where his steps would be influenced, that he would be in the very court of a pagan king who never would have heard him before. God oftentimes shakes things up to direct us to two different, two different kingdoms, three different leaders. But he was there and was able to lead two of them to a faith in God. And that never would have happened if his life hadn't been shaken up when he was 15 years old. Friends, oftentimes... God, God will, will shake things up in our lives. Oftentimes it might seem like he's causing us pain, but it's really to redirect our lives. It's really to redirect our lives. King Nebuchadnezzar got full of himself. We're going to read that. We're going to go through that, study it more in detail. But he got very full of himself and he had a dream and he was warned by Daniel what was coming and he didn't follow and he ended up, he ended up facing some judgment. But after that, after that, Nebuchadnezzar declared this, in Daniel 4.37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Sometimes there's a shaking up that is necessary in our lives to redirect us and to the purpose, the very purpose that God has for us. I love the way Rick Warren says it. He said, problems never leave you where they found you. You know Jonah? God told Jonah to go east to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go there. Instead, he headed to Spain, Tarshish, right? He headed to Tarshish in that direction. And he went as far as he could, and God, I love this. This is, this is Rick Warren at his best. God arranged a custom-made problem. A custom-made fish swallowed him up. He said, Rick says this, sometimes you get swallowed up by a big problem, and when it spits you out, you're headed in the right direction. Sometimes you get swallowed up by a custom-made problem, right? A custom-made problem, and when it spits you out, you're headed in the right direction. Sometimes God shakes up our lives because he's trying to redirect us. We fight against him because we forget that he's sovereign and he is in control. But friends, sometimes the very shake-up that he causes is the very direction that he wants to bring to us. Come on. God shakes things up to protect us. Sometimes pain protects you from something worse, doesn't it? Sometimes it's the very fever that points to the infection you didn't realize you had. I know of people that have had problems and, and they didn't know what happened and they ended up in the hospital and when they went in for something else, they discovered something they wouldn't have discovered had it not been for the pain or the problem. There are times where God will use problems and pain and shaking up in our lives that, that, that really are protecting us from something else. I know of people that have held on to, to certain values and, 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 and they got fired from their job only for God to open up another job and then that company went under and they were so grateful that God had spared them but at the time they didn't understand it God why are you allowing this to happen God why are we going through this but it's because God will oftentimes shake things up to protect you to protect you not every problem is because you did something wrong not every problem is because you did something wrong sometimes you can do the very right thing and still end up in hot water right but we're trusting the sovereignty of God. John, Job 36, 16. God is gently calling you from the jaws of trouble to open a place of freedom where he has set your table full of the best food. Psalm 23, David said, Now prepare us a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What? Man, I see, we, we see this with Joseph, right? Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph did nothing wrong. 
He did nothing. Maybe sharing his dreams to his brother. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong, yet he was sold as a slave. And then he decides, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can right where I'm at. God's favor is upon him. He's serving in the house of Potiphar, right? And Potiphar's wife comes, and man, she's got a little thing. She got a little thing for Joseph. She's like, man, this Hebrew servant, mm, he's fine, right? Ooh, come on, come on, day after day after day, come on. And, and, and Joseph's like, no, I'm holding on to my integrity. I'm holding on to my integrity. No, no, no. And he flees and leaves his thing behind. And then she gets scorned and she accuses him of rape and he ends up in jail. And he's like, God, I don't understand, Right? I've done nothing but honor you. I've done nothing but obey you. I've done nothing but, but try to serve you and do what you said. And why am I in prison? Why am I in prison? God says, because i got a different direction for you, and I'm protecting you. I'm protecting you and protecting my promise that I made to your forefather, Abraham, and to your, 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 your grandfather, Isaac. And, and to your father, Jacob, they don't know it yet and you don't know it yet, but you're the very vessel that I am positioning and I'm protecting you and I'm directing you because I've got a different position and a greater plan. Friends, sometimes God will shake things up to direct you. God will shake things up to protect you because it's all about his big plan. It's not about your individual life. It is about a bigger plan and you're a part of that plan. Do you trust God? Are you willing to surrender and say, God, if I'm shaking up, then let me be shaken up if it means that I'm directed and protected for your plan and your promise. Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Redemption is always at the heart of God's plan. Sometimes we are shaken up so that we can be positioned to be a part of God's redemptive plan. Finally, God shakes things up to perfect me. Perfect me. Maturity. How many of you know that we don't grow without a little pain? We don't grow without a little pain. We don't grow without a little adversity. Anybody that's a weightlifter knows that. That you've got to press against a little bit of pain if you want to grow, if you want to develop. We know the phrase, no pain, no gain. It's more than just a phrase. It's true. It's true. Pain is the high cost of growth and maturity. Romans 3 or 5, 3 to 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strength of our confident hope and salvation. Listen, the things that Daniel and his friends were going through right here in the beginning. The indoctrination and all of that was a testing. But not only was it a testing, it was a maturing. Because as we will see next week, as they began to obey God as they began to stand and trust God in the midst of adversity they began to see a God who acted that would allow it to be in Daniel chapter 2 when they faced another situation that was unparalleled and, and how are we going to do this they had learned then they could trust God and that God would show his favor then friends you don't know God's favor and how to trust God until you're in the midst of a shaking and adversity it's the very shaking that allows us to become mature and complete James says not lacking anything take joy whenever you experience trials of many kinds quit crying quit complaining God I'm gonna take joy because you're shaking things up I'm not going to be surprised by the adversity I'm facing. I'm, I'm supposed to face it. You're a believer. You're going to face persecution. People aren't going to like you because your values don't line up with theirs and light hates darkness. People are not going to like you 
Don't be surprised. But ask yourself, is there something inside of me that needs to change? Is there something you're trying to correct in me? Is there a place you're directing me, protecting me, or maybe you're doing something to perfect me and mature me so that I can be what you desire me to be? Because thirdly, what it, final, the final thing, trust God for what you don't understand. In all of this, they didn't understand. God, would you, why did you allow Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to take us captive? Why? 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 I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the process. I don't understand why you allowed this to be a part of it. But the Lord was the one who had directed it. The Lord was the one who had gave Jehoiakim and Judah and Jerusalem over. The Lord is the one that allowed for those articles to be taken. He was not dead. He is still in control. And what we see in the book of Daniel is that he used that for his glory. And he positioned people like Daniel and people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for his purpose and his time. And God is doing the same with us today if we will allow him. If we will allow him. Proverbs 20, 24, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Even when it seems that all is lost, that, 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 that if God is lost and, and, and there's someone else that holds the power, friends, God is still in control. God is still orchestrating the events of this world in our and our lives. So let me just bring it to a close. Is your world shaken? Is your world shaken? Maybe it's the things that have been going on. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something personally. Something you've been going through personally. A shaking that has taken place in your marriage and rocked your world. A shaking that's taken place in your business. A shaking that's taken place in your home life. Something with your kids. A shaking, a shaking that has been taking place in your family. Maybe there's a shaking that is going on. Ask yourself. Ask yourself, God, why are you shaking things up? What, what's inside of me? What are you trying to correct in me? Where are you trying to direct me? What are you trying to protect me from? God, what are you trying to perfect in me? I don't understand it all, and I don't have to. But you know what? Today, I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to trust you. There's a lot of things we don't understand. But today, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. Worship team, will you come? To trust Jesus today. Friends, those of you that are in here, let's bow our heads. Those of you watching online, I want you to pray along with us right now. And I just want to ask this question. Maybe today you don't know Jesus. You haven't put your faith in Jesus. You wouldn't classify yourself as a disciple of Jesus. Maybe at one time you prayed a prayer. You repeated it after. Maybe at one time you were in church, but you have long since forgotten that. You have fallen away from the Lord. And maybe today, whether it's your first time or maybe you need to repent and, and come back to the Lord, I want to ask you, is there anyone here today or watching online, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need to repent. I know the ways I've been living are not what, what the Lord says. I know that they, they're not what God says. Today I need to repent and I need to turn my life over to Jesus or I need to, to recommit my life to Christ. I've been walking in a way I shouldn't and I need to repent and, re, and re, re give my, recommit my life to Christ. If you're here and that's you, you're in one of those two categories. Will you slip up your hand today? 
Will you let me know if you're online? Will you let us know? Will you email us? Info at PainesvilleAG.com. Put it in the, the comments or on our app to make a decision. Come on, I need to make a decision. I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I need to repent today and turn my life over to Jesus. Hallelujah. Secondly, today, I want to ask you. You say, Pastor, I'll admit my, my world has been shaken. My world is shaken. And today, I just, I want to trust Jesus. Maybe it's inspect or correct or direct or protect or perfect, whatever it is. But there was something in that message and the shaking that spoke to me. And pastor, I want you to pray for me. If that's you, will you slip up your hand right now? I want to pray for all of you. Maybe your world is shaken and you say, pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Yeah, yeah, online. I'm praying for you as well. You can let us know if you have a prayer request in the comments. Father, we just thank you right now. I thank you for those that raise their hands. Lord, our world is shaking, shaking, shaking. And God, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus, right now that you would be at work. Lord, you would do your work, your sovereign work, what it is, whatever it is you're wanting to do, whatever it is you're wanting to do in us. God, maybe it's to inspect us, to get us to look in. And if there are things, Lord, that should not be there, we ask you, Lord, to forgive us and cleanse us right now. For those, Lord, that responded that I wanted to put their faith in Jesus, I just pray, Lord, right now, we just repent of our sin. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us today. And we put our trust in you. We put our trust in you. God, for those who have put their trust in you, but their world is shaken, I pray, Lord, for your peace, for your peace, for your peace that passes all understanding, for the, for the confidence, Lord, to be in you, that you are at work, you're at work, you're directing, you're at work, you're, 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 you're protecting, you're perfecting today. And Lord, we don't understand everything, but we choose to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.